Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of the Round Ball Ramble podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter or X at CorbinNBA. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, so check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos, S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S, or online, sportsethos.com. A lot of fantasy stuff out there right now for you, especially with fantasy basketball right around the corner. Uh, the fantasy basketball draft guide is out. Definitely make sure to take a look at that. Get all the advantages you need to ace your fantasy league. I should check it out myself. I'm in two leagues and have been doing well, so we'll see what's up with that. But we're not here to talk about that. We are here to continue our division preview series. We already did the, um, the Pacific Division preview um, with Richard Liu. You can check that out um, by the time you listen to this on our feed. But now we are going into the Southwest Division. And joining me to break all that down is good friend, Grizzlies expert, all-around basketball guy, David Williams. You can find him on Twitter at NBADWill21. David, how you doing, my friend? I'm good. You're you're setting the bar way too high, though. We can't be slinging around where it's like expert or anything like that, man. Oh, listen, man. Listen, <laughs> you put you put in the work. You know your stuff. Check out Dave. Like I said, check him out on Twitter. Check out his podcast. You don't believe me? Listen, we may disagree, but he only on the Lakers. But that's why he's not here to talk about the Lakers. So <laughs> it's fine. We have. I do respect you as a basketball mind, my friend, and I want to give you that credit. So for sure. Um, but yeah, let's let's get started. We're gonna just go. Dive right in. Um, David is the Grizzlies expert, so we're going to save the best of this division for last and end with Memphis. We're going to start, though, with the Dallas Mavericks. And they had a pretty interesting, not quite eventful offseason, but a few things happened. Um, who was brought in? Well, let's talk about who they re-signed. Uh, they re-signed Kyrie Irving, which they probably need to do, given the trade that, you know, sent all the pieces of their defense away to bring him in. Um, they also re-signed Dwight Powell and Markeith Morris. Then they got um, Grant Williams in a sign-and-trade from the Boston Celtics. They signed Seth Curry as a free agent, along with Dante Exum and Derek Jones Jr. They got Rashawn Holmes in a trade from the Kings. Um, they drafted Derek Lively uh, 12th overall and Olivia Maxence Prosper 24th. And then on your you know vet minimum deals, you have Greg Brown, Joe Weiskamp, Jordan Walker, and Mike Miles. Now, as for who's gone, Christian Wood. He Not a loss. Is... <laughs> See, already we disagree now. Like, he is now with the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm happy for his addition. Reggie Bullock was traded to the Spurs. Um, JaVale McGee signed with the Kings. Davis Bertans was traded to the Thunder. Justin Holiday signed with the Nuggets. Frank Nilakina found a home with Charlotte. And then uh, McKinley Wright signed with uh, Budenhoff. Bud- Bud- so overseas there. So we can talk about Christian Wooden. We will, I'm sure, very briefly, okay. <laughs> given your given your opinion of them. But let me ask you this, David. You see who's in, you see who's out. What do you think of the Dallas Mavericks in their offseason? Uh, I, I think it's a huge improvement. The offseason where Brunson left and they brought Christian Wood in, there were a lot of people that were optimistic. And I understand, like, you want to be optimistic if this is your favorite team. But I got a lot of flack for saying losing Jalen Brunson and adding Christian Wood was a net loss. And then you watch the season play out, it was clearly a net loss. And Christian Wood, as far as skills on the floor, he is a fantastic basketball player. The issue is Christian Wood hadn't been able to stay healthy. And I think you need that for him from him in order to really get what he's going to bring to your team. And it was really – there was a super weird dynamic with him. 
I, where he was not starting early in the season. And I don't know if that was like beef with Jason Kidd or whatever, but I, I just like the whole start of last season for them was super weird. And even though they gave up quite a bit to go and get Kyrie Irving, I think you had to have another player that could play alongside Luca. And that's what, you know, Brunson was so good at Brunson, could be a like one A one B type player, but he was okay being the two to Luca and Kyrie. In my opinion, even though like with all of the kind of weird stuff, the the weird games off that he takes and stuff like that, I think he's an upgrade from Jalen Brunson. So you, you get another star player that can play alongside other stars. We've seen him do it. We've seen him win a championship doing it. And then you add a guy to this roster like Rashawn Holmes, you know, that that gives you something that this team hasn't. I, right now the depth chart is showing that um, Powell is going to be the starting center again this year. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if that's not the case. Uh, you know, I, a lot of Mavericks fans were not super happy about getting Rashawn Holmes, but I really like him. I like what he brings to the table. He's a great pick-and-roll guy. He's good on the defensive end of the floor. He's pretty versatile. He's not really going to stretch the floor for you per se, but I like that ad. Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to come back and be healthy. That's somebody that they really missed last year. And then Seth Curry had probably his best season in the NBA with the Mavericks. And so getting him back, that's giving you some shooting around a guy like Luka and Kyrie that can easily distribute the ball. So I like the moves that they made. Um, I, I think my biggest question is is really the the center position, even though they have the addition of Rashawn Holmes, what's going to happen with Holmes and Powell and Lively? Are we going to see Jason Kidd play a young guy early? What is um, – I was about to say Jalen Green, but that's not his name, and it's eluding me right now. Uh, Josh Green? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I – Look, I, I didn't come prepared. I apologize, Corey. Hey, but, it is okay. Yeah, We're recording this late. I'm not going to tell you what day, y'all, but it's late. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's he, he's been growing, and I just don't know that uh, that we'll see kid play the young guys. I like the, the draft picks that they made, and overall I like the moves for this roster. I, we'll, we'll just see what happens with it. I think that they will definitely be better than what they were last year. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. I think, you know, defensively, there are some interesting pieces there. If you look at uh, a lively as kind of that back, kind of back end rim protector guy. I mean, yeah, he's raw and we know rookies don't really make a huge difference, you know, defensively or at the point guard spot um, when they come to the NBA. But I think there's some potential there for him. Uh, I like Grant Williams as well um, as a guy who can kind of, you know, stocky kind of combo forward type that I think kind of play across both positions and hold up somewhat well defensively. Derek Jones Jr., to a lesser extent, I think is pretty decent at that end as well. Um, so they're not the pieces that they lost trading for Kyrie. But then again, now you look at who's alongside Luka. And yeah, you know, everything else aside, talent-wise, Kyrie is amazing. Probably one of the best players to play alongside um, Luka in his Mavs tenure. I can't really think of another equal talent. I think Kyrie comes in better than Porzingis. And Luca played with like not even late career Dirk Nowitzki, but just decrepit Dirk Nowitzki. So I, I think that is the best talent that Luca's had alongside him. I don't know if that's as good or bad about the way Dallas has surrounded Luca, but that's a different conversation for a totally different day, right? But 
you look at who else they have. I mean, it's a solid team. Like Dwight Powell, been there for a bit, kind of know where he fits in. I like Marquise Morris, like the vet guy in the back who can play a little bit as well. Um, Seth Curry, like you said, had a really good first tenure with Dallas. Injuries are always an issue with him. Um, and that's something I'm concerned about, especially as he gets to like his mid thirties, you know, but as somebody who, you know, can shoot the ball really well, kind of put on the floor just a little bit um, smaller, but can kind of play and give some gravity to a Kyrie, to a Luka. I like that as well. And as far as their losses, I mean, only real loss to me. I mean, I, I, I'm going to defend Christian Wood. Christian Wood, temperament-wise, attitude-wise, I get it. And yes, your statement about losing Jalen and replacing him with with Christian Wood, like, yes, completely right. You know, I think that Christian's going to have a renaissance with the Lakers. I think in a situation where you have better vets in a different culture that I think is going to be more structured in terms of putting them in place. But I also feel like toward the end of the season, they could have used Christian Wood. And whether he'd burn too many bridges in the locker room, wherever the case may be, Jason Kidd chose not to. And that hurt them. And that was the reason why they were having a tank straight up because they probably could have competed for a playoff spot had they used him more, you know, after the trade deadline. I think that, yes, as bad as Christian Wood is on the defense and all the things he brings on the table, the dude is very talented offensively and Dallas had problems offensively outside of Luke and Kyrie. So I definitely, you know, support that. But I'm not going to say, like, it's a huge loss to Dallas. I mean, he had issues defensively and whatever was behind the scenes in the locker room. Obviously, like, there was not, not even a shot of him bringing back. So there's something there, right? Um, JaVale McGee just never really fit. Just never was a good fit for them. Not really sure what happened there. Um, and Reggie Bullock's probably their most impactful piece who, you know, three ball came and went. Defense came and went for the most part, but, like, was a steady, reliable kind of wing guy. One of the more reliable ones they had left after the Kyrie trade. So I don't know. I look at this team, and I think they're okay. I think they're probably still going to go as far as Luka and, to a lesser extent, Kyrie takes them. I just don't know where that is because I don't think that's, like, a deep playoff run. You know, I think, what, second round at best in, in my mind. Um, I just don't know. Like, this roster around Luka is fine, um, but you're still looking at what you get from Lively, what you get from OMP, you know? Um Grant Williams, how does he fit in? Like, I, all these pieces are, like, good but not great, with the exception of Luca and, like I said, Kyrie. And even with Kyrie, are we going to get a full healthy season from Kyrie? Are we going to get a full season of Kyrie where he's healthy and playing? <laughs> you know, like, whatever the case may be, there's all these other qualifiers. So Dallas looks interesting. I can see him in the thick of the West, but, like, I don't really have any other thoughts aside from that. Yeah, so I actually – I have a question for you. You mentioned Grant Williams in there, and obviously the the – the way everything went down, it's not like a direct replacement. But if we're talking Dorian Finney-Smith versus Grant Williams, do you feel like that's an upgrade for them there? Huh. You know what? I'm going to say yes. I like Dorian okay. Finney-Smith. Dorian Finney-Smith has been steady for Dallas. But Grant Williams, I think, has improved more steadily as a three-point shooter. Um, and I think defensive versatility-wise is better in terms of, like, banging with some of the fours in addition to maybe guarding some threes, then I feel like, you know, um, Finney Smith was playing the three and then the four in some ways. I don't know. It's really interesting, but I think Grant Williams just brings a little more versatility. Uh, 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 literally we're like one A and one B in terms of tiers in this, in that same type of role player game that Dorian Finney Smith can. Also, I think Grant can do maybe a little bit more than just shoot the three. I don't know how much more he has available, but Dorian Finney Smith is kind of just that, stereotypical three and D wing, right? I feel like Grant Williams may have a touch more. What does that look like? A couple of post moves, maybe a mid-range jumper. Not quite sure, but I just have some hope that there's something there. So I'm going to go a grant on that one. But I agree with you. Like, it is interesting to ask that. But 
mm-hmm. on uh, the Vegas had the win totals for them at 44 and a half. You taking the over or under on that? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I will probably take, uh, I'll take the over, but not by much. Actually, okay. no, no, I'm gonna take the under. Taking the under, I'm gonna take the, yeah, I'm gonna take the under because, like, the Pacific Division, we I just did that. I have every team in the playoffs there, you know, and then what that leaves like three other teams, right? Like, yeah. Dallas is in the mix, but like, I, I don't know, you put them alongside Minnesota, you put them alongside New Orleans, like, you know, that that's kind of where I have them in that group of tier of teams, you know, like, where's Memphis in all of this? Like, we'll get to them later, but like, yeah, I, I have them. Probably just under that, 43, 42. I mean, this Western Conference is going to just be a bloodbath. So I definitely don't think that the win, win total will be representative of the talent of the teams. But whatever that looks like, I think Dallas is on the lower end of it compared to some of their peers. Yeah, I, I didn't – like in this division, that's one that uh, – that I just wouldn't touch. You know, I, I feel like they're going to be somewhere around there, but I'm not confident enough to say, okay, I think they're going to be under that or I think they're going to be over that. Um, I, I, Kyrie Irving is kind of the X factor there, right? You know, like what what version of him do we get and how many games do you get out of him this year? And I think that that is really going to impact where, you know, if they are over or under, that it's going to – obviously the team is going to ride or die with Luka, but – Kyrie is going to be the second most impactful player in a landslide. So, you know, we know or we have at least seen what Kyrie can do on a good team. He got a decent contract from Dallas. Is he going to play this contract to look for a big one coming out of this two-year deal? I don't know. I kind of hope so, honestly, because, like, when Kyrie's balling, he's one of my favorite players to watch because of – the way that he can handle the ball. There's not many guys. I, I some of the stuff that he does just remind just strictly ball handling wise reminds me of Iverson back in the day. Like yeah. he's so crazy creative and you, you just don't see a whole lot of that. So yeah, I think he's definitely the X factor, but I, I wanted to see where you were at on that. That's a, but they're the only team, like I'm pretty confident on the rest of the teams and this division on the, the over-unders are our win totals. But Dallas is one that I'm like, mm, yeah, I'm just going to stay away from that one for sure. Yeah, I'm not touching either. You're right. That's a good one. They're going to be a very interesting team. I feel most of these teams in this division will be in the Western Conference to speak of. But uh, going from one Texas team to another, um, and the second of our third Texas trip here, we're going to go with the Houston Rockets. And they were very busy this offseason. Um, look at first who they drafted. Um, one of the more interesting prospects uh, in the draft, uh, one of the Thompson twins, uh, they drafted a men Thompson fourth overall. Um, they signed Fred Van Vliet, uh, Jeff. Oh, they drafted a men Thompson fourth overall, my fault. And then Cam Whitmore, 20th overall. That was, that was a steal. Yeah, I really want the Lakers. I like that pick for sure. Um, don't know what knee injury might have scared him off, but the fact they went down there and the way he played in summer league, being the MVP, like, Already, like you said, a steal, great value. Um, signed Fred, Fred Van Vliet, Jeff Green, Aaron Holiday, Jacques Landell, um as free agents. Resigned Boban Marjanovic and then acquired um, Dylan Brooks in a signing trade with the Grizzlies. Other additions. Yeah, yep, we're going to talk about him in a second. <laughs> You're right about that. Other guys that have been either retained or signed. Um, Darius Days, Trevor Hudge, 
Hudgens, Nate Henson, Jonathan Williams, Matthew Mayer, Joshua OBCA, and uh, Jermaine Samuels. Who's gone? Josh Christopher, traded to the Grizzlies. Kenya Martin Jr. was traded to the Clippers. Uh, Deshaun Nix was waived. Willie Cauley-Stein signed um, overseas. Same with Frank Kaminsky. Um, and then Usman Garuba and Ty Ty Washington were traded to the Hawks. So, new coach, new point guard, new attitude if you want to go with uh, Dylan Brooks. Uh, what do you think of the Houston Rockets, David? Um, I honestly – I know why they – like I, I get – I don't know exactly, but I, I assume I know why they go out and get a guy like Van Vliet and then, you know, get make the trade to get Dylan Brooks. You want veterans around these young guys. But my I'm I don't really like what they done this offseason because this team, Jalen Green is not really gonna be a guy that's going to be a, a fantastic initiator for your offense. And they go out and they draft Avon Thompson. It's like, okay, like that he's, you know, a great point guard. Some people would say that he was, you know, like I feel like Scoot was a tier above him, but you know, he, he's clearly one of the best point guards in this draft. And then now you go out and you pay this guy all this money to be playing in front of him. There's gonna be plenty of minutes for him. Like he's gonna be the backup. There's nobody else on this roster. It's going to give him any problems specifically after the you know KPJ stuff, but yeah, I'm not, I'm, for a reason, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I'm not going to go down that path, but I, I just the, the team is young. If you draft Amen Thompson and you run a starting lineup out there, Amen Jalen Green, Jabari, Alperen Shingoon, and then plug in X player, I, I don't uh, hold on, I can pull their roster up here. But if they don't make the Freddie Van Vliet move, you can Amen is your starting point guard, Jalen Green is your starting two, and let's say that that Whitmore is not ready to go, you still have Jay Sean Tate on this team that you can start as a three. Um, so you would be Amen, Jalen Green, Jay Sean Tate, Jabari Smith, and Alperen Shangun, and then you have Tari Eason come off the bench. You have Cam Whitmore more coming off the bench, like I. And I would start Tari at the three over over um over um, Tate. Over Tate. But I get what yeah. you mean. Like you still have some depth there, yeah. Yeah, I just think uh foot speed wise, I don't know that Tari could truly keep up day in and day out with threes. I may be wrong on that. I do like him defensively. I don't want it to be like I there are a lot of threes that he's gonna be fine against, but um I just overall think that that would be an issue day in and day out. They have a lot of good young talent, but do you really know what you have with this young talent? And are you going to be able to really see what you have because of the guys that you brought in? Freddie Van Vliet is a high usage guy. Uh, Dylan Brooks thinks his offensive game is way more than what it is. And that was his problem in Memphis. I love Dylan to death. He, he's a fantastic defender. I made an all-defensive team last year. He definitely earned that. He's one of the best on-ball defenders in the league. I think that Dylan is also – like, he is a veteran guy that will do well with these young guys. He done well with the young guys in Memphis. Um, but he just wasn't ready to be the vet in Memphis. And I think that what he learned while he was in Memphis will help him uh, with this team. But 
I, I was just not impressed. That my favorite move that they made was the coaching hire. I think that as far as who was available out there, um, that you could not have had a better choice. I really, I'm, I'm really high on Udoka. No, that's fair. I like Udoka. I think that he had a great year in Boston. All the other things, obviously, being what they are. Um, but this Houston Rockets team is definitely interesting. Like I said, even without the KPJ nonsense, which like nothing really needs to be said about that. That hasn't already been said. But you look at, you know, like you said, a Fred Van Vliet. I like the fact the contract's good. Like by the time it's up, he'll be 31. That's not bad, you know, at all. Um, going through the end of his prime, if not most all of it, right? Um, Dylan Brooks is interesting for sure. Definitely ups the attitude. But I again, he I think he'll be emboldened to kind of lean into some of his lesser tendencies offensively but then maybe not umedoka might have that like shut down who knows right there is some value that dylan brooks has there for sure but just not in the way that he thinks he has it um as far as jeff green you know being a vet in the back in the room get your money man at 38 nba champ why not right uh jacques Landel was actually a decent center for the suns last year as a backup um so yeah, i like yeah, that I like there that. and the contract is good as well right um but yeah i don't know i think I think Fred VanVleet will help Jalen Green just because you have an actual point guard. Like a man Thompson, as good as he will be, is not there right now, right? Sure. And Ken Porter Jr. was never a point guard. Like that just wasn't a thing. So I ever. think Fred VanVleet ever, exactly. Like he just was. He was empowered with the ball. There was like a great piece by, I think, Clutch Points on the whole saga with him and the Houston Rockets front office basically like coddling and emboldening him to be a role he was never fit as. But that's besides the point. Um, looking at Fred Lee, I think he's a guy who, having been a veteran point guard, has been in the league and won a championship, he will make the game easier for Jalen Green. Now, defensively, I don't know what that looks like. I'm not ready to find out. But offensively, I think that he will help Jalen Green to get better looks, to help him kind of improve his own game as a, an a, a on-ball offensive initiator. Because right now, he's just not there yet. And I think it makes it easier for guys like a Jabari Smith Jr., you know, like an Alperen Shingun to kind of get their shots as well. So, Although I don't see the fit like for them to win right now, I do like having Fred Van Vliet there to kind of help these guys play with an actual point guard, right? Um, and Cam Whitmore, like I said, is steal. The people they lost, I don't even think were huge losses. I like Kenya Martin Jr. I hope the Clippers use him or Philadelphia gets traded <laughs> to Philly for the James for James Harden. I doubt that happens, but if that were, um, but everyone else that they got rid of, I mean, not really a big deal. You know, but the Houston, I feel like they're definitely going to be a team. They have enough talent to make a leap regardless. I just don't know what that leap looks like. I think the leap is really like from dead last to like, oh, 11, like just right. outside the play. And you know what I mean? That That's how I see them. Yeah, I would be shocked if we saw them even sniffing the play in, to be honest with you. it would. It, I'm not going to lie. It would be kind of funny to see, but I, I agree with you. I don't think that's a reality here for sure. Right, taking it down to another team that I don't think it is a reality for, even though they had the biggest haul in the draft. We are going to the San Antonio Spurs. Who do they bring in? Oh, just the number one overall pick and one that people think is a generational talent in Victor Wabanyama. Uh, they also um, drafted C.D. Sissoku, number 44. Um, they re-signed Trey Jones. They got Reggie Bullock from the Mavericks and Chetty Osmond from the Cavs and then re-signed Julian Champagne as well. Um, and then who's out? Katie Bates Diop, uh, who signed with the Suns. Listen, apparently, you know, Victor Wembanyama is the best NBA prospect since LeBron James. So technically, I guess by that point, the Spurs have won the offseason, right? Um, I don't know your thoughts. We're going to get them. I don't have a whole lot to say on San Antonio, so I'm going to be very brief. 
I like Victor and San Antonio, obviously. I think the front office does deserve some credit for not, you know, um, going and immediately trying to use their cap space to try to grab. They could have grabbed a Fred Van Vliet. They could have grabbed a Dylan Brooks. I'm not that he would have been on the Spurs, but they could have grabbed those guys and use their cap space in that way. And in this case, they're going to kind of slow play, you know, a little bit of, of, of Wembenyama's development, work on really getting him going and take their time and use their cap space for, as it looks like right now, you know, contracts that people don't want because with those contracts come assets. And then with those assets, you can cash them in and then you can get a star or then you can do something to kind of get the next great piece for San Antonio. So I'm glad they didn't just make that all-in-one go type move and really kind of bided their time, but they're not going to be great next year. Um, it'll be cool to see Victor Mnyama. Um, They have some interesting pieces there and Greg Popovich is going to coach them. So they'll definitely compete, but I, I definitely safely see them not in the playoffs next season. 100% agree that that is I, I was in a very very small minority when I really truly believe that Scoot Henderson is going to have a better NBA career than Wembenyama. Oh, um, okay. I like that. You know, I like, like that. I I've I've watched the film. I, I see what everybody likes, but until somebody with that type of frame does it, until they do it. Like I'm not gonna bet that it's gonna happen, and you know he he was he was mm-hmm. crowned you know like this you know like you say generational talent, and he definitely has the tools to be a player like that. But uh, I'm look he's just gonna have to show me like that. That's just where I'm at with it. I like where he landed, um, and they have some other really good like interesting pieces around there. To find out, you know, is uh, you know Sohan going to play well? Like, is he going to be a fit? Kelvin Johnson, Devin Vassell, you know, they're still they've got uh, what I think Malachi Branham is still on that team. Um, Blake Wesley, mm-hmm. they've got some they've got some young guys on that team that they're going to get some run. We're going to get to see what they look like, and the the question is going to be, do you fit with Victor? And I think for, I would say, at least the next couple of years, that that's what this team is going to look like, what pieces fit with Victor. And so, yeah, I, I think that they are firmly out of the playoffs again this year. And they, I, I think, um, I don't even look, I can look right here. Vegas had them, they're over under at 28 and a half. And, and I'm taking the, the under on that all day long because I just don't feel like, um, there's a learning curve, mm-hmm. regardless of what league that you played in. It's not the NBA, and it's a rare occasion that you see a rookie come in and just dominate right off of the bat. Not that it can't happen, but um, I would be shocked if if Wibanyama was the type of player that could just backpack this team and make them competitive in the first year. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think that is that they're a team that's safely just not in there, and that's fine. I mean, also, even though even with there being an adjustment period for um Yama, like we also don't know how many games he'll actually play. Yeah, you know, yeah. what are, are they shutting him down? Exactly. What are they gonna do that? How are they managing his body? You know, knock on everything, he doesn't get an injury, but like all of that, like those are factors that come into play then too. And if he's not even on the court, then they're just not even a fun bad team, they're just a bad team. You know, they do have some interesting pieces. Like I said, like Reggie Bullock's a vet. Chetty Osmond's a vet. They they aren't going to win you games in, in, a, in a demonstrative way, but they will win you games like, you know, making big shots and playing defense. I just mean like if Victor's not there, good luck. That's what I mean by that. 
but they are winning players who fit the philosophy that Coach Popovich will want to instill on this team as they, you know, start their journey of seeing what a team built around Victor Wembanyama looks like. This is like ground zero for all of that. They build from this place up, um, but since they're starting from the bottom, um, the bottom usually doesn't mean the playoffs. So that's where I have them as well. But they'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I don't know if they're like a league pass darling for me. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch all the teams. But like, are they gonna be must watch for me? I don't know. I'm also higher myself on Scoot than Victor as a prospect, um, just for how I feel he fits in the NBA. We've seen players like Scoot fit in. I have not seen, like you said, a player like Wemby not saying that he can. He definitely looks more qualified to do so. Just saying I haven't seen it. It's something I want to see first. And I think that's fine. In our in our scouting process, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, at some point down the line. But moving on from Texas, now we are down in New Orleans, and we are going to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, they didn't really have a crazy, crazy offseason. Not much activity. Who's brought in? Jordan Hawkins, they drafted 14th overall. <laughs> Shooter from UConn, right? Resign Herb Jones and then sign Cody Zeller from uh, Miami as a free agent. Who's out? Jackson Hayes, who signed with the Lakers for reasons I still don't understand. Josh Richardson, who signed with the Heat, homecoming for him. Garrett Temple, who was waived. He ended up signing with Toronto. And Willie Hernan Gomez, who ended up going back to Spain, signing with FC Barcelona. Um, not a whole lot here, David. Hawkins is a good shooter. I think he should play well off of Zion Williamson, play well off of Brandon Ingram, be able to knock down shots and do it in a variety of ways. Um, getting Herb Jones on a four-year, $54 million deal, um, if he's able to grow offensively, I think looks like a steal. Even if he's not, that's a decent contract for the all-defense candidate guy he can be. Um, but I just feel like, you know, if he can improve a little more offensively, especially being that I think he saw that shooting guard, um, especially with um, – the injury to Trey Murphy, then I think that it, it looks even better. But what do you think about the Pelicans who, like I said, that that literally is their offseason, like three things, eight transactions total. Yeah, I'm, I just don't have any faith in this team at all. You know, you can look and you can – it's easy to point out the talent on this roster. They have some talented players. And so I don't want to feel like, oh, I'm just crapping on this team because of – you know, there was a Zion Ja rivalry year one because of them being friends and all of that. Mm-hmm. But, but you are. We, I'm just kidding. Like, <laughs> but we haven't seen Zion be healthy. He's electric. He is incredible to watch whenever he is healthy, but he hasn't been able to stay on the floor. Brandon Ingram doesn't look like he's healthy. Trey Murphy, I, I don't know. Is he going to win? When did he have his injury? Are we looking? Is he going to miss? I think he's going to miss into November. Yeah, so he's probably – like, he'll be back by, I think, Christmas. Um, All right, maybe even before then. Looks like 21 days ago, 10 to 12 weeks. So he's about four weeks into that. That would put us, yeah, right around the end of November. You had it. You Mm -hmm. called it. Um, You know, like C.J. McCollum, obviously a, a, a good NBA player, a good NBA guard. Brandon Ingram, we, we know what he is. Jonas Valanciunas, a lot of respect for him for what he done when he was in Memphis and what he can do when he's on the floor. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Love Herb Jones. Najee Marshall is a guy that I would like to see more on the floor. They've got Dyson Daniels just kind of chilling out back here that I think is going to be a good NBA player. So they have some good pieces. But I just don't know – that I like, you know, I don't like this roster construction. So I, I don't feel like this team, it's not impossible for this team to be a playoff team, 
but there has to be a lot of things that go right in order for that to happen, in my opinion. No, I'm right with you. I agree. I think that it's 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 a lot of things have to break right. Biggest one being health, which has not been something we've seen the Pelicans have on this side, right? Brandon Ingram missed a ton of time with his with a foot injury, a toe injury. Zion Williamson missed a ton of time the last couple of seasons, right? Um, CJ McCollum played injured, and his play injured, as most players play is when injured, was significantly hampered. But I think CJ's even more so, right? And he was banged up. So bottom line, you're right. Like it's going to take, it's going to have to take. Um, a good stroke of health. I mean, even now, just when they looked healthy, Trey Murphy's out, you know, until, like I said, you know, sometime in November. And so him coming back and joining with the rest of the group, like there's all these different things. But at the end of the day, the talent is there. It's just a matter of will it actually be on the floor or on the sideline, right? Um, so I ask you, where do you see the Pelicans? Do you think they're a playoff team this year? Do you think this is the year that the luck works out for them? Are you still seeing them more where they have been? What do you have for us? Yeah, I, I just see them where they have been, man. And that's if I turn out to be wrong, it's going to be because they did hit that stroke of luck where Zion stays healthy, Ingram stays healthy, CJ stays healthy. Because, like, the, those three guys together, that's a lot of talent. Those guys, those three guys can win you a lot of ball games, but I, I just don't like the odds of – all three or even two of those three guys staying healthy for the entire season in order to propel them into a true playoff contender. That's fair. And I understand that completely. I agree. I think that they're going to be more on the outside looking in. I just don't see the long-term health for these guys. Um, but if they are able to stay healthy, I, I, I mean, I would be surprised. But I wouldn't be surprised if they were to stay healthy and make the playoffs. That's probably a better way of saying that. Um but, yeah, now we go from the Pelicans to the last team here in our division preview. We had a, this been a pretty brisk moving one. I can't say I'm, I'm mad at it. Um, but we might take a minute here with the Memphis Grizzlies, who, again, it wasn't a whole lot that they did either, although they did make a pretty big trade. Um, first, they, they signed Desmond Bain in a contract extension. Um, they did get Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart from the Boston Celtics. They also got Josh Christopher from the Rockets. Then they um, and the guy Isaiah Todd from the Suns. Um, they got Derrick Rose, a free agent, drafted Gigi Jackson, forty-fifth, uh, and they have Tariq Baberovich, uh, drafted fifty-sixth. But he's gonna play overseas. And then who's out? Dylan Brooks, um, of course, in the sign trade to the Rockets. And then Tyus Jones, longtime backup point guard, really a stabilizing force for the second unit for a number of years, was traded to the Wizards. Um, so I, I got to get your take, David, on this offseason for the Grizzlies. Doesn't make them better. Doesn't make them worse. Obviously, John Morant suspended the first 25 games of the season. Let's get your take on this. Why, this is why you're really here. All the NBA, but definitely for the Grizzlies. Let's go. So I had said all along that there, there were people, Grizzlies fans specifically, that were ready to ship Dylan Brooks off for a half-drank Diet Coke and an open bag of Cheetos. Like, they wanted him gone. And if this team lost Dylan Brooks and did not bring in a suitable replacement, it would have been a massive step back. And for all of his shortcomings on the offensive end of the floor, he made – he was a positive player. Like, he's a positive impact player. You look at his uh, plus-minus – like his net all like throughout his time with the Grizzlies, he was a plus guy. 
So the Grizzlies won games because of what he done. And so, like, when you have a player that is – whether he was like the core of their mentality or whatever, there are going to be different people that have different opinions on that. But when you have somebody that brings that type of impact, you can't just lose them off of your roster. And they didn't. When, when I saw the Marcus Smart trade, I'm like, this is incredible. Like I really didn't think that they were going to get rid of Brooks and bring in a suitable replacement. I thought it was going to be a downgrade, but they got rid of Dylan Brooks and they bring in an upgrade. So now you have the last two defensive players of the year on the same roster on a team that when Steven Adams is healthy was one of the better defensive teams in the league anyway. So you, you lose a guy in Dylan Brooks who is a versatile defender, but then you add Marcus smart. And so you get, you retain the versatile defender at a higher level. And while Marcus Smart is not the most efficient offensive player, he is a way better playmaker than Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks' go-to is to score. That's the way he's wired. That's what he does. And they were attempting to make him somewhat of a playmaker, but he just couldn't get it. When you are in a high-pressure situation, you're going to revert to your comfort zone. And that's exactly what Dylan Brooks does. When he's in a pressure situation – his mindset is he needs to score. That's and, what he knows. Yeah. And, and or thinks he knows. Right. So I, I'm I'm not here. I'm not gonna crap all over Dylan Brooks. I loved him. He was one of my favorite players here. I will continue to root for him regardless of where he's playing, unless we happen to be we being the Grizzlies happen to be playing um his team in the playoffs. But I, I'm really happy with the moves that they made because Kleiman has proved that he can put talent on the roster, but we haven't seen him take a step toward, okay, I feel like this roster is in a good spot. Let's make a move toward the championship. And prior to this season, this offseason, we didn't see that from him. It was always future. Everybody thought he should have done it last year. They bring in five rookies, and it's like, what the – is going on like well, what what are we doing here right and it's it's really really refreshing to see is market smart the answer is this going to make this team a championship team i don't know the answer to that it's we talked about luck with the pelicans in order for this team to be a championship team a lot of things have to go right a lot of people you know you need john morant when he comes back from the suspension to be healthy the remainder of the season. Then 25 games into the season, you're completely flipping your starting lineup on its head. Whoever you have one person that's in the starting lineup that's going to fall out. And so roles are going to change because my guess is when Jaws out, Marcus Smart is going to be the initiator on the offense. Desmond Bain will have some of that role as well as he showed last season that he can do it. But things will just be different when Jaws in the lineup. So they're going to have to gel whenever he comes back from that. And then you, you need Ja to stay healthy. Desmond Bain had an issue with his foot. He had surgery in it on, on it in the offseason. And I actually saw him in Nashville like a couple months after the season or a month and a half or so after the season. Surgery went well. He had just gotten out of the walking boot the night that I saw him. 
And he's like, I hadn't been able to do any basketball stuff yet, but everything's feeling good. I'll be moving, you know, moving into live basketball work soon. So he's going to be good to go. Uh, Jaron Jackson, even though he kind of got crapped on by everybody, uh, you know, playing for Team USA, that run that he got during this offseason, I think is going to be fantastic for him. And FIBA is not the NBA. And when he comes back to the NBA, I think that he is going to dominate. I, I think we watch, we've witnessed Jaron when he first came in the league, he was doing stuff and he was putting up numbers that we hadn't seen since Will Chamberlain. Now, am I sitting here saying that Jaron Jackson is going to turn into Will Chamberlain? No. <laughs> like Thank that, you for that. Yes. Yeah, like that. That's just ridiculous. But he is an extremely talented big man. He can handle the ball very well. He is the best help defender in the league. Um, and, and I think we saw – I know we saw the defensive leap last year. I think this year what we see from him is more of that offensive leap. And the games that Ja was out last year, Jaron was averaging like 22-8. and eight. And he was catching the ball back to the basket – and just bully balling guys that were smaller than him, stuff that we hadn't seen him do before. So he has a lot of tools that I think that we haven't seen yet. I like where this roster is, and I, I think that they are going to be a 50-win team this year. They will be in the playoffs. Um, and you got to get there. You got to be healthy. And I think if this team is healthy, that they can definitely be competitive. There's nobody – I'm not scared of anybody. I'm not scared of Phoenix. I don't care what they went and done. Like you have three guys, three extremely high usage guys playing together. Brooklyn just tried that a couple of years ago and how it work out for them. Not not so good. So yeah, like who who's your who is your wing defender for the Suns? Is Bradley Beal going to be your lockdown wing defender? I imagine it'd be Booker. So I mean, I mean, I, in, in so much as that is, I imagine that Beal would take more of the point guard role, and then Booker would take more of a wing stopper role. I don't know if he doesn't. I don't want to say he doesn't have the tools. He just hasn't done it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and like for what he can bring you offensively, do you really? Is that what you want Booker doing? I just that there are some guys that they this trade that they made moving Aiton, you know, Nurkic that. I know we're not talking about that division, but I'm just I'm not buying. I'm oh, selling give me on Phoenix. If you have, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I, like I, I'm just I'm just selling on Phoenix. I it's one of those things you see super teams kind of built overnight, and, and we've witnessed it a few times. But to me, I don't think you can give it the moniker super team until they actually win something. There's a lot of talent on that roster, but that roster is not very deep. And I think that depth is going to matter. And, you know, when you when you get to the playoffs, that depth or lack thereof is going to hurt them. That does make sense. I, I guess, I mean, obviously you're very high on Memphis. And I would say, given, you know, their bench and without injuries, their history the last couple of years, rightfully so. What weaknesses, realistically, do you see from this Grizzlies team? I guess you're not buying Phoenix, but I mean, I buy Phoenix a little more than I buy Memphis. Okay. I mean, I like, I, I get it. I understand. Like, you have guys, all right. Well, I, I don't even have Phoenix's roster up because we are not talking about that division. Like, you know, Kevin Durant has won a championship. Uh, Booker has played well in the playoffs. We don't, mm -hmm. um, 
I don't remember yeah. how well Bill played like, like when when he was with Wall in the playoffs. Yeah. But you know, moments. like you, you still you have to. That team has to learn how to play together. Uh, they have to find out who's going to close for them. And going back to when Bron, Wade, and Bosch got together that first year, they did win a title because they couldn't determine who was going to close for them. That's really like you go back and and they they lost. And a lot of that, it, there was it, it was just not settled. They didn't know. But when Wade was like, okay, Bron's going to be the closer, then they win a championship. So putting those pieces together is all well and good on paper. It looks good. But, um, you know, I, I there, there are a lot of – the game's not played on paper. It's played on the court. And so th- there's I'm, – I'm okay if I'm wrong saying this, but – we have seen this not work a number of times over the past few years. So I'm comfortable saying that I'm just not buying them. There are, I like, I actually like the moves that the Lakers made this off season. And yeah, I'm, I'm not just coming on your show gas and the Lakers because you like <laughs> the Lakers. Cause you know, I typically talk trash. Oh, to you. Hey, I'm about to say you do. You, you're yeah. Sure. <laughs> but you know, I, I like the moves that they made, but Brian is a year older uh, Anthony Davis has not really been healthy since the, the bubble. Um, what, what is that team going to look like? Um, you know, there's the Clippers, and what are they going to do? Are they going to make the move to get James Harden? Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like Denver is going to have that championship hangover. It seems like, you know, winning back-to-back is tough. Uh, not that it's impossible for them. But they lost some pretty good pieces off of that roster from winning the championship. And I don't know that they really replaced them with the same caliber of players. But um, I I just really like the dynamic because defensively, you know, John Moran is not a superior defensive player. He would be like a liability. Um, Well, maybe not even that. Like he's a – borderline serviceable defender. But then you have Bain, who is a capable defender, not great. But Adams is a good team defender. Smart is a fantastic defender. And like I said earlier, Jackson, Jaron Jackson, is the best help defender in the league. Um, If I had to say weakness for them, um, it's really bench. And that had been a strength for the Grizzlies for a while. But those, those bench pieces are gone. You know, DeAnthony Melton left, Kyle Anderson left, uh, Tyus Jones this offseason. So who do, who is your uh, – you, you get Derrick Rose, and I, I like Derrick Rose, mm-hmm. but the expectations that I'm seeing from people for Derrick Rose, way too high. Derrick Rose is not the same player he was four years ago in Minnesota – and I feel like that's what people think that they got signing Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is going to be Udonis Haslam. That's yeah, what he's going, going to be. Like he mm-hmm. he he may play some minutes here and there, but Derrick Rose will not be a playoff rotation player. He's not going to be healthy enough, and he's he's not going to average more than fifteen minutes a game. I, I just don't mm-hmm. see it. Like mm-hmm. I, I he is at a point in his career where he's accepted that veteran leader role. And I love that he's here because you see the respect that he gets from John Morant when they made that signing, you know, instantly on social media, he was, 
you know, welcome, whatever. Like he was happy that they made that move. So I do like that. But I I just, I, I worry about what this roster, like, do they have enough off of the bench? And you're going to rely on some young players. Sometimes that works. You know, you go back to um, the Detroit Pistons with Billups and Wallace, the Rashid and Ben Wallace. You know, Tayshawn Prince was a young guy that played big minutes on that playoff run, and they were able to win. But you get John Morant, Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson, and Steven Adams in your starting lineup. Well, then, you know, Luke Kennard, what was a fantastic get for them. Xavier Tillman has proven that he can play in the playoffs. He played very well. I was extremely pleased with the way that he played against the Lakers in that series. Um, and then Santi Aldama had, had a great year last year. He's had a good offseason. He played well in FIBA. But that backup point guard role, man, you, you, you're going to have to stagger minutes. You're going to have to see minutes – with Smart running that role, Bain running that role, and Ja running that role. So Taylor Jenkins and his coaching staff, they're going to have to figure that out because right now, you know, your your listed backup point guard uh, when Ja is healthy is going to be Derrick Rose. And while I like the veteran leadership of Derrick Rose, I have no faith that he can actually be a true 12 to 15 minutes a night guy and play a real – Backup point guard role, and let's be real. I mean, Derrick Rose will be thirty-five in a week, week and a half. Yeah, like he's he's an older player, and you're right, he's not that same guy. And so, yes, in the locker room, good to have a vet in the room, like you said, good to have that 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 force. Which, let's be real, like Memphis hasn't really had that last couple of years. I don't really count Stephen Adams. I think he's more like a quiet lead by example, and. They obviously haven't really been doing that. That's no fault of his own, just the reality of the situation. So, you know, I'm with you. I think that can be a thing. What else? What do you think about their, like, consistent, like, like let's say outside shooting, like their offense? Well, I mean, their half-court offense was something that they struggled with the, the year that they lost to the Warriors in the playoffs. Last year it looked a little bit better. Um, Steven Adams going down hurt that Steven Adams creates a lot of space with his screens and they really miss that. Um, this offense was ridiculous when they had Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard on the floor together. Neither of those guys are elite defenders, but the, if you go and you dig into what these guys were able to do when they were on the floor, when Bain and Kennard were on the floor together in the regular season, they were like a plus 50 together. And the defensive rating was actually – it was tied. The Cavaliers finished the season as the best defensive team in the league. And the Grizzlies' defensive rating now, it was a small sample size. It was like 200-and-something possessions. But their defensive rating with Bain and Luke Kennard on the floor – was right there in line. Like it was, I think the Cavaliers finished, I want to say it like one, man, I don't even have it up. I'll be lying. I think it's like, I want to say it was like 109.7 and the Grizzlies with Kennard and Bain on the floor were like 109.9. Like they were right there among the best defensive teams in the league when those guys were on the floor. That was shocking, small sample size. 
as teams get more film on that, they may be able to manipulate more stuff. But Bain is one of the best three-point shooters in the game. Luke Kennard can shoot the ball very well. And, Mar- again, Marcus Smart is not the most efficient three-point shooter or, or just offensive player in general, but he is a big shot maker. You, you saw him make some big shots in Boston. And so I would love to see one of these rookies. Jake LaRavia was a guy that could really shoot the ball in college, and we haven't seen that from him. Like, he was lost you know, last year. Like, he just wasn't ready. Um but there's been a lot of chatter around what he's done this offseason and the confidence is, is building in him. There's still some guys that they have to figure out. They got kind of a log jam here when you look at it with Roddy and Zaire Williams and Jake LaRavia. They've got to figure out what they've got in those guys. And then you have a um, – it's like an old reliable – and John Conchar, you know what he's going to bring for you. He's going to play high-energy basketball. He's not going to make many mistakes, but he's also not a playoff rotation player. <laughs> That's true. That's true. No, you make a good point there. I mean, it's it's definitely a, a more of a mixed bag there uh, off the bench for sure. But, I mean, they've done a great job of scouting. I just see, like, I think it's really just waiting for some of it to develop a little better. Correct me if I'm wrong there, yeah, I mean, like, see, you got the you have the young guys, and Roddy played well. You know, there were times last year in that Lakers series where they had, <clears throat> excuse me, they had David Roddy on the floor, and he was guarding LeBron. And you know, Le- LeBron James is at the point in his career where he's not, he's not as dominant as what he was. Like, he is still an extremely dominant player. But yeah. he doesn't dominate you in the way that he used to. Like you definitely have to pick his spots. Yeah, like he he uses his knowledge of the game, his basketball IQ, and he's not gonna go out and like kill you with sixty points and ten rebounds and nine assists anymore. But if you don't play him well, he's gonna pick your defense apart passing the basketball. And that's, you know, we saw him facilitating a little bit more. But Roddy done a good job guarding him. So I, I have some confidence in Roddy, but he, he didn't shoot the ball that well. And that's what they need. They need guys that can come in off the bench and knock down shots. And right now it's going to be between Roddy, Zaire Williams, and uh, <clears throat> my goodness, man. I'm checking out. It's my team. Yeah, LaRavia. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, you know, they said, you know, Kenneth Lofton Jr. played extremely well and played his way into a, a regular contract last mm-hmm. year. So th- there are, you know, Brandon Clark is coming off of that injury. What is he going to look like? And that, you know, I don't even know that he plays this year at all. Um, like his recovery has been going well. But if he does come back, it's going to be extremely late. So, to me, I, I think that the backup point guard, I think, is, is a spot that could be an issue for them. And then shooting seems to always be an issue for the Grizzlies. Um, get, getting one of Zaire Williams, Jake LaRavia, or David Roddy to be able to come out and knock down the three consistently would be a huge win for them. Yeah, I feel like the thing about the shooting for both 
the Grizzlies and the Lakers. Like, I think the Lakers improved there for sure. But, like, yeah, outside shooting perpetually an issue. Just for time immoral, right? So time immoral, rather. Can't think. I'm tired, too. Um, but, yeah, I definitely agree. Okay, so this is where I throw it to you as we mercifully wind down to the end here, David. Thank you again for your time. Late night for both of us. We both were talking about how long our days were, and I think our brains are both like, okay, we're done. Um, yeah, so check, check it out. We are, exactly. So let's just wind down by me asking this, and that question is this. How would you rank the teams that we've discussed um, in the Southwest Division? So, again, Spurs, Mavericks, Rockets, Grizzlies, and Pelicans. Where do you have them from best to worst? Uh, I mean, Grizzlies one, Mavericks two, and then probably New Orleans three. I think New Orleans and Houston – We'll, we'll probably go back and forth. And then I, I think the Spurs remain at the bottom. Um, I, I just I don't think they have what it takes to get, get out of the bottom. New Orleans, if they hit that luck streak and they're healthy, they were a team that they were leading. Like, I think they had the best record in the NBA before Zion went down at one point last season. Or was that last season or the season before? Uh, Zion's going up basically every year. But, no, last yeah, year yeah. they were doing pretty good before he went down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, like the, there's a lot of talent in this division. But I think really it, it's just two teams. It, it's it's Luka, Kyrie, and the Mavericks. And then Ja, Jaren, and Bain, and, and the Grizzlies. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I feel like – I don't know. I am unsure how the Grizzlies are – I mean, getting Marcus Smart – kind of incorporated with this team, dealing with the loss of Dylan Brooks, even though, you know, he wasn't that guy. He still was a piece of this Grizzlies team for the entirety of them, like before Jaron Jackson, before John Moran. Like, losing a piece of that is impactful. You know, it's not Marcus Smart to the Celtics, but it's not too far off from that. So I wonder about that. I do wonder about, you know, how the point guard play works in the 25 games that John misses and what impact that could be. Um, and then when he gets back, gelling with the team as well. So all of that, I mean, I had the Grizzlies right now at number one, but by no means is that a lock for me. I think the Pelicans are healthy or healthier like they were. They can win enough. Again, it's just a big if on the Pelicans. Um, and Dallas should sniff in there as well. So I'm going to go pretty much the same as you. Don't feel great about it. But Grizzlies, then Mavericks, then Pelicans. And then, of course, Rockets and Spurs. Um, but I really think the top three can flip around, depending on injuries, um, you know, who steps up, all of that. So it's going to be very interesting to watch. Interesting division. It's not quite the Pacific division where it's like murder's row at all levels. But there definitely is some intriguing talent up and down, intriguing play up and down, and a lot of question marks. <laughs> Lots and lots of those for sure. Lots of those. Absolutely. So, David, I want to thank you for coming on and spending some of your time here with Ramble Ramble as we went to the Southwest Division. Definitely appreciate that. Can you please tell the fine folks where they can find you and your great work? Yeah. So, I mean, are we allowed to still call it Twitter? Are we ever not going to call it Listen, Twitter? Right? I, I can't. My brain is wide to call it Twitter. <laughs> X, Twitter. The, I don't, I'm don't. i going to say Twitter. Yeah, guaranteed. So, uh, the the Grizzly show that I host is on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I am at NBA D will two one. You can find the, the podcast anywhere that you get your podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anything like that. Uh, if you are a Grizzlies fan or just a basketball fan and you want to hear us talk about the Grizzlies, uh, Grizzlies media day is coming up. That is Monday. Uh, we will be there in person. We are credentialed media members with the Grizzlies. So um, we're going to be there uh, taking some pictures, 
recording some video, asking questions. And then, you know, we'll have a rundown show after that. We've taken some time off last year, really kicked. Uh, yeah, I have two other co-hosts and we all just like got wore out last year by life. It wasn't even basketball, you know, basketball is tough. The, the season didn't end the way that we wanted, but life was just rough on us last year. So we all decided to take a break, but we will be back and, uh, and running full speed starting next week, probably Tuesday or Wednesday night. We'll be having our episode covering the media day. Well, there we go. We'll definitely make sure to tune into that. I know I will for sure, David. Thank you so much. Again, y'all follow him on Twitter at NBADWill21. Um, same thing as David. I mean, you know the Ramble Ramble's been in and out, but we were picking picking it up um, full speed ahead with Media Day. We've already been more regular with our uploads last week um, or so, so definitely stay tuned for that. Division previews, I'm going to have some select team-specific previews with some friends of mine that know their teams intimately. I mean, Listen, we already basically did one with David, but maybe we do a mini one just on the Grizzlies again. Who knows? But I'll have some more of those coming in the upcoming weeks as well as we get set up for the regular season. And once that starts, we are just rolling through it. So definitely make sure to stay tuned for that. But listen, y'all, check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, sportsethos.com, S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S. In case you didn't know how to spell it. Now you do. All right. Well, that's going to do it here for both of us. We need to get some sleep. And wherever you listen to this, y'all got to do what y'all got to do. So for David, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty. And I'll talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.